0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Anybody who wants to have hearings about January 6th, but didn't think it worthy of really questioning Ray Epps, wasn't serious about anything that happened on January 6th. If the objective was to go after the people who engaged a riot at the Capitol. Here you have a guy on video repeatedly egging people on to the Capitol. We're going to go here. He did it the day before he did the day of. And there's the video of him. I'm actually watching it. Dealing with police. When people were trying to break through the line, he was right there. Front and center he was right there but yet somehow he was never actually a person of interest somehow nobody wanted to know what it is uh, that he thought or had to say or who he was connected to he was a man of interest and then all of a sudden wasn't a man uh, of interest sorry that's weird look you can tell me that I'm just, you know, being conspiratorial all you want. All I'm telling you is it was the FBI who put his picture up. It was the FBI who said they were interested. And then they decided they had no interest. And then nobody had an interest. And then you've got, what was it, 60 Minutes or others putting him on TV. Oh, he's a poor victim and Tucker Carlson's trying to destroy him. Well, now... As has been reported, he's been charged with a misdemeanor offense in connection with the Capitol riot. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That is the number, uh, 833-GOT-TONY. The chat room is open. Just head over to TonyKatz.com and you can get on in there and be a part of the show. A misdemeanor? You have sent people to prison for 22 years. You have sent people to jail for just being around the place. A misdemeanor? If there, It's clear to anybody who has ever watched any of these videos, Ray Epps egged on more people to do violence at the Capitol than Donald Trump ever did. Which is to say, uh, never. Trump never said people should be violent at the Capitol. Do I think he was bothered by what he saw? No, and that's my problem with him. But we'll leave that for another time. He never told anybody to be violent at the Capitol. Ray Epps said he was. we should charge the Capitol. We should do this and we should go up there and we're going to tell them what we think. Misdemeanor. Huh. Now you know that he is also uh, suing. He is suing uh, people over at 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 Fox. Uh, I know Tucker Carlson, uh, is, is former host, is being sued. Laura Ingraham is being sued. Will C- Will Kane. He's suing Will Cain. He does he does Weekend Fox and Friends. I, I, I don't know the dude I think I've been on TV with, with him once in in my life and i i don't I don't know the guy but I didn't know he was he was a part of the lawsuit with all due respect to anybody who has an opinion on January 6th it must be odd to look at this and say oh this makes sense why does this make sense why in the world does this make sense that it's only a misdemeanor and why does it make sense that information regarding January 6th after the the committee was done was destroyed? How much information got destroyed? Why would that be? Why would you destroy any information, especially when you were told to hold on to things? Now that Republicans uh, have control of the House, maybe they would have liked to have looked at some things. But no, we can't have them looking at things. We simply will create a made-for-TV moment, we'll say what we want about January 6th, and out we'll go. For those of us who were never going to buy into the idea that somehow January 6th was worse than September 11th, um, we look at that moment very seriously. No, not January 6th, although we call it a riot, we call it wrong, We look at the January 6th committee very seriously in exactly how brazen they were with not engaging in open and honest conversation. And you recognize how weak, how weak minded, how weak willed uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are, of course, how weak willed and weak minded Schiff and Jamie Raskin are and the rest if they had been people who were strong-minded and strong-willed, they would have welcomed an open conversation. They would have welcomed debate. They would have desired a full sharing. And they would have welcomed, for example, Congressman Jim Banks and Congressman Jim Jordan of Indiana and Ohio, respectively, onto the committee. But it was Speaker Pelosi who said no, because that wasn't the point. And we noticed this. We notice that when they created their made-for-TV lineup and put it in prime time and used an ABC showrunner to really formulate how to deliver this, this data, that there was no chance for rebuttal. There was absolutely no opportunity for anybody to say, yeah, but what about, can I ask a question about Has there been any discussion about, what about the data that states, none of that, none of that happened. And those of us who play in the realm of honesty, as opposed to partisan insanity, recognize that. I'm a conservative. I don't lie about this. I don't hide from this. I am a conservative based on theory and based on philosophy. I can look at something like January 6th and say, yeah, that was a riot. Just like I can look at what happened in Minneapolis when they set the town on fire and say, yep, that's a riot. And when I can take a look at the Chaz chop in Seattle and say, yep, that was a riot. And I can take a look at everything that happened in Portland and all the lives that were destroyed and the people who were hurt and the cities that were destroyed and go, yep, that was a riot. I can look at my own beloved Indianapolis where two people died and go, yep, that was a riot. I can do that. I can recognize it all. So can you. That's, that's the, the part that they hate about us, by the way. The part that they hate about you is that you can recognize it all. What happened in, on January 6th was a riot. What happened in Indianapolis and in Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and Chicago, riots. Oh, no, 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 no. Those were peaceful protests. Buildings on fire. Banks on fire. Peaceful protests. No, wait, sorry. Mostly peaceful protests. See, see, you gotta, you gotta have the wording right. But what happened on January 6th at the Capitol is the worst thing to happen ever in the history of ever to anyone, anywhere, at any time. The people of the Armenian genocide might think differently. Oh, you stop it. Clearly January 6th was worse. The people who suffered and died and experienced horrors you can't imagine on September 11th might think differently. My gosh, nothing was worse than January 6th. Nothing I say. Harumph, harumph, harumph. Rational people notice that irrational people are irrational. And we're going to notice that a guy who is on video front and center, front and center, Um, he gets a misdemeanor charge. We're gonna notice I have noticed that um when it comes to John Fetterman, we have to we we must be being punked because this argument over the dress code and his snarky comments or whoever's doing his uh Twitter feed. Um, this is surreal. How dare you have standards, America? That's what the left is saying. I'll have that story coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz today.
1: No such thing as parental rights. It's not recognized in law. It's not in the charter. doesn't exist. Children's rights, however, are recognized and have been for a very long
0: time. I'm sorry. Who is this incel? And why am I supposed to pay attention to him? Tony Katz. <laughs> Tony Katz today. Hey, it's some dude on TikTok. Um, who wants you to know that parents' rights don't exist. But check check this out. No such thing
1: as parental rights. It's not recognized in law. It's not in the charter. It doesn't exist.
0: I'm sorry, charter? What are you... What new age flight of fancy are you even talking about? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at com. The chat room is open. Feel free to jump on in. Talk to me. Tell me what's on your mind. What I love about these videos... Yeah, that libs of TikTok exposes and others, is that this, this is like a, this, this dude's in a serious conversation, like somehow it's real. Children's rights, however, are recognized and
1: have been for a very long time. Parents have responsibility, which is recognized in the law, but no rights. If your child does not want to tell you something about them, that's your problem, not the government's, not the school system's. Maybe you should ask yourself why your child might not want to tell you whatever it is your conspiracy brain thinks that they should have to.
0: Well, that's not a problem. A guy who believes that children are always honest with their parents, not recognizing that children keeping secrets from their parents could hurt the child. But then again, he doesn't care about hurting the child. The child should be seen as an equal to adults. do you know how diseased this is? The only thing i that gives me any solace is by looking at him uh there's no way he's procreated. There's no way anybody said yes. We should further your line that didn't happen it didn't it didn't happen oh don't get me don't get me wrong somebody somebody absolutely gave him a little bit of a love that he paid forty nine ninety five for. Sure, sure, absolutely. He belongs to some only fans that are really specific. I'm not even judging, but there's no doubt that man hasn't made a baby. I think I made producer Jason laugh. I think I, I think I heard it, heard it in the distance. I guess I, I don't, I, I, something, something made him chuckle. That was an awesome take, Tony. This is not the only story out here. Uh, Of course, we've been talking about the dress code and Fetterman. Um, I am amazed that Fetterman wants to engage this talk. You got Senator Chuck Schumer, who um, has changed the dress code in the Senate, and now... I guess a hoodie and shorts are acceptable, but of course it's not acceptable. It's absolutely not acceptable. A standard matters. And he goes, he's actually on TV. He goes on TV with Chris Hayes. He's clearly reading the question because he can't understand the question being asked to him. Um, let
1: Let me start with the most important matter facing our country at this dire moment, which is the matter of the Senate dress code. Uh, which has recently been <laughs> recently been changed? Of course, of, of
2: course, yes, yeah, no, of, of course. Uh, I've heard about. I've heard that some people are upset about that, and the, the the right have been like losing their mind. You know, they're just like, oh my god, you know, dogs and cats are living together, and you know, like I said, aren't there more important things we should be talking about rather than if if I dress like a slob? Uh, yes, uh, Marjorie
1: Taylor Greene said that Senate no longer enforcing a dress code for senators is to appease Fetterman is disgraceful. Dress code is one of society's standards that set etiquette and respect for institutions.
2: Stop lowering the bar. Uh, what, what do you say to that? Well, you know, her platform, you know, really, she runs on more and more ding you know, picks, you know, on uh, in the, the, me- the meetings uh, over in, in uh, Congress. So, I, again, uh, I, I'm not really sure why she cares how I dress, uh, but, you know, she really takes it a different way.
0: I do not know what he was trying to say, and neither do you, and that's all right. Trying to decipher what it is that Senator John Fetterman is trying to say at any time is, well, uh, incredibly difficult. Incredibly difficult. I'm not sure. Then again, I I don't uh, actually know what this means either
2: yeah you know like i i truly i was i was very proud of my colleagues you know because they're really about governance that's what it is and on the other the the house the the whatever they call themselves team america or whatever they call themselves <laughs> i just like hey i just like bring your vote you know otherwise you know they need to go hump a different leg
0: oh sure hump a different le- I again Again, you win, win, John, because nobody knows what you're saying there. But it's this fight over the dress code. How could we not note that you changed an entire standard for a guy who doesn't necessarily know where he's at? Now, I will admit in one of those segments, he's a little more cogent than he is normally. But why in the world would the political left say, you're right, dress codes don't matter. Respect for the institution doesn't matter. We do not have to have any rules at all. The, the reduction of standards, the revocation of standards, the elimination of standards doesn't do any of us any favors. doesn't create any value for any of us at all. It does us damage. When Marjorie Taylor Green, you know, that, that you heard Fetterman mention, the Senate no longer enforcing a dress code for senators to appease Fetterman is disgraceful. Dress code is one of society's standards that set etiquette and respect for our institutions. Stop lowering the bar. I'm sorry, you can like Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green or hate her. It's, it's, a, it's a fine statement. It's a fine statement. Representative Ocasio-Cortez decides to jump in with a response. Aren't you the one who did revenge porn in a hearing? I, now, I must admit, I have no idea what that is referring to. But what in the world does that have to do with a, with a dress code? I don't don't understand why you would respond that way. To which Marjorie Taylor Greene responds on on Twitter X to uh, Ocasio-Cortez, are you okay with Hunter Biden violating the Mann Act, which is human sex trafficking? All right, we are in a weird place right now. We were just talking about why the Senate is failing, allowing Fetterman to wear a hoodie to do the work of the people. How the, the, the Democrats in the Senate don't actually believe in, in some kind of, uh, of standards. But by the way, if you visit the Senate, you have to be in a jacket and a tie, man. You have to be properly dressed, ladies. Hoodie McCoodison, he can wear whatever he wants. How did it get to this? Can't we focus on the thing? And the thing is pretty serious. We don't seem to have a code. We don't seem to have a standard. What's wrong with a standard? The answer is nothing. There's nothing wrong with it at all. We should want it. We should be in favor of it. We should support it. And the fact that, that, uh, Chuck Schumer isn't going to hold his fellow members to it? That's weak. That's not leadership. Fetterman has depression issues and he's just more comfortable in a hoodie. I don't care. Your issues are real, but they are also yours. And the Senate does not have to change its way of being To appease you and give you joy. Joy comes from within. What does not give you joy is the real estate market. That story is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. There is a graph put out by the Mortgage Bankers Association. And what the graph reads is that the 30-year fixed is going to be 6.3% in the fourth quarter of 2023, 5.4% in the fourth quarter of 2024, and 5.1% in the fourth quarter of 2025. You could say, all right, interest rates are going to come down. That's two years away, people. And the interest rates coming down, well, that's what they said before. When previously the quarter four of this year was going to be 6.2, now it's 6.3. In 2024, the fourth quarter was going to be 5%. Now they're estimating 54 In 2025, the fourth quarter was going to be 4.6%. Now, estimated to be 5.1%. And this is, by the way, what they expect. Does anybody think that interest rates in the U.S. are going to come down a full percent in a matter of months? I don't. And this is just the tip of the iceberg in some really fascinating and ugly data about where the housing market is and is going. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Lance Lambert joins us right now. He is the real estate editor for Fortune Magazine. You're the man who put this out. Uh, I looked at this and I said, none of this sounds good, but I start with that first question. Why do they think that interest rates are going to fall a full 1% or close to a full 1% in the next three months, Lance?
3: Yeah, so I track most of the forecast for mortgage rates and for home prices. And there's this big consensus that's been the case even heading into this year that mortgage rates would come down closer to six or maybe high fives. And it just hasn't happened. Uh, you know, one of the things that some of them believe is that the economy would have softened more by now, you know, given that we've moved up, what, 500 basis points for interest rates, in you know just over twelve months, they thought the economy would have responded more and there would have been more layoffs and we would have slowed down and the Fed could have eased up. It hasn't exactly been the case. While the labor market softened some, it hasn't given that much. And so affordability is just very pressurized by these rates right now. And you know, they can keep putting out these forecasts, but so far you know, the rate environment hasn't been giving. In fact, there's a good chance that this week we could be flirting with like a 22-year high for mortgage rates. Uh, We're at 7.28% right now. If we get back to 7.49 that we hit like three weeks ago, that would retake the 22-year high. In your
0: uh, sharing of this data, as you do on, on, on X, you have over the past week, been very focused on austin texas why is that
3: yeah so if, if you look at home prices and on a national basis we haven't given up that much since mortgage rates have spiked we're actually still kind of hovering close to that 20 2022 peak but there's been a few pockets of the country like Austin, Texas, where prices have given up a lot more. And so Austin prices, depending on where you look at, whether, whether it's Freddie Mac or Zillow or Black Knight's data, they're down somewhere between like 11 and 16%. And that's, you know, that's a pretty sizable uh, pop-off in terms of like a 12, 15-month uh, decline. And so I think it's worth watching those markets Because that's all occurred while the unemployment rate has been very, very low. So it's a question of is Austin just an outlier or is it, you know, a canary in the coal mine for more declines to come if unemployment were to jump up quickly?
0: Go over that again. I want to make sure we're all on the same page talking to Lance Lambert. He is uh, the real estate editor at Fortune magazine is it that Austin real estate prices are falling faster than everywhere else? And is, is that the, the canary in the coal mine, how fast they fall?
3: So what happened is during the first two years of the pandemic, Austin home prices went up about 68 69%. Nationally, that number was closer to 40%. And so once mortgage rates spiked, And the number of people that were like work from home moving from like California into Austin slowed down. Austin's housing market went into a correction mode in terms of prices. And so they've already seen about 10 to 15 percent decline for home prices in just a 12, 16 month span. And they are still very much in correction mode. Now that the seasonal strong period is over the second half of the year, now they're seeing more give up in price
0: you You follow that with a quote uh, or I should say a paraphrase from Jerome Powell, Chairman of the Federal Reserve, saying that he wants the rental market, the housing market, and labor
3: market to soften. What is it that he's looking for? Yeah, so during the pandemic uh, the pandemic boom period, there was a huge jump up in home prices and rents, and the labor market got very, very tight very quickly. And so you had the quits rate that got very high. People were leaving their jobs for better offers. And there was way more job openings than you could find workers. And so what Jerome Powell wants is Jerome Powell has called it a housing reset. He would like to see home price growth uh, come back down, which it has at least, at least the rate of growth. He would like to see the rental market cool, and he would like to see the labor market cool as well. Now, To what degree do each of the three need to cool? It's hard to say. He hasn't actually put out hard metrics. He he even said himself, you know, I'm not going to put a metric on the housing reset, but he wants to get the housing market to a place where supply and demand are in better balance, he said.
0: Talking to Lance Lambert of Fortune Magazine, real estate editor. You note that the spread on mortgage rates is 297 basis points. So if I take a look at where uh, the, the federal funds rate is and I take a look where mortgage rates are, that spread is 297 points. And that would give us a 7.34% average 30-year fixed mortgage rate, which would be, as you were describing, that highest in 22 years. I don't think, I didn't check today, I don't think it got uh, that high. How does that spread actually work? And uh, as as a follow-up, what are the experts like you guys anticipating?
3: Yeah, so I, I think one thing that we saw, as soon as the Fed stopped buying MBS securities, buying the mortgage-backed bonds, what we saw last year is that the spread between the 10-year Treasury and 30-year fixed mortgage rates really widened as the demand for those MBS securities went way down with the Fed no longer buying. And since that point, that spread has been very, very sticky. And if it were to normalize today, even if the 10-year stayed where it is, mortgage rates could go back to like 5.9, 5.8% is why so many people in the industry keep an eye on it. But we haven't seen any progress there. Uh, The only movement we've really seen in the spread this year was when like Silicon Valley Bank and a few of the other banks failed. The spread actually widened even more as banks were looking to put fewer of the MBS securities on their balance sheet. Uh, some economists I've talked to think that that spread could slowly start to come in if the Fed were to start cutting rates. Uh, but l- l- let's see. Right now, it's not. And this is just kind of the nature of the environment we're in, which is a very high spread and thus higher than expected mortgage rates.
0: By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm not that neither, either one of us in- endorses them or anything like that. I'm just happening to be using Bankrate.com. And they say – uh, at, at for today, the 30-year fixed is 7.55. Is
3: that right? You, you know, each of the methodologies vary a little bit, but the truth is all of these different averages are usually made on people with better ba- uh, credit scores. So there are a lot of people getting like 7, 8, pushing 8% out there. Uh, some of the people with better credit scores, of clo- course, you know, lower in the 7s. But, you know, there there's some rates out there pushing H.
0: That's a, historically a fine number in the United States compared to the last 10 years criminally insane. Talking to Lance Lambert, real estate editor at, at Fortune magazine, I want to go back to the house price Uh, conversation, because we hear about the housing issues in the U.S., specifically that not only are housing prices staying up because inventories are are low and people aren't selling their houses and and we're we're not seeing enough houses come to to market, but also rents are extremely high. Um, Is there something that accounts for these two things taking place?
3: Well, I, I think the thing to keep in mind is early in the pandemic, what occurred was an elevated demand for space and for housing. Not only the people who were working remote, but an elevated demand for space because there were so many uh, like roommates who were decoupling and there was so much money getting slushed around that it accelerated household formation. And so there ended up being about 2.5 million more household formations during the first two years of the pandemic than were expected that's a lot of need for housing and, and housing, you know, the supply of housing doesn't respond if demand surges in a short period of time. And so that surge in demand while supply stayed flat created an overheating both for house prices and for rents. And that's one of the reasons that this rate hiking cycle, the fed didn't come in and, you know, start moving us up 25 basis points here and then 25 basis points there they were doing 75 basis points early and we ended up seeing 500 basis point move up which is the fastest rate hiking cycle in over four decades and so that's why they came in with so much urgency because the labor market had gotten so tight so quickly and the housing market the same and you know you know that'll happen when you you slush around that much money do that much quantitative easing while you also have these impacts on the supply side of the economy, like, uh, you know, auto production getting behind and things like that.
0: So let's bring it back to how we started the idea that the mortgage bankers association expects the 30 year fixed to be 6.3% at the end of, of quarter four, 2023, just a couple of months Uh, From from now, let's say if we were all betting people that there's absolutely no way it's coming down to 6.3%. And let's (laughs) say if we're talking about there are mortgages out there in the eights and people with good credit are still paying well into the sevens. Let's say we're going to be in the high sixes. We're we're just spitballing here, Lance. I'm holding you to nothing. This is not you saying it. This is me saying it. We're going to be at six and three quarter percent at the end of a quarter four, twenty twenty three, and I don't think we'll be that low. But let's say we were that high above where the mortgage bankers thought we were going to be. What does that say to the market? What's the ripple effect there?
3: If we were to stay higher, yeah, I, I think I think if we stayed higher, uh, let let's say we're closer to like six, nine, seven, I think it means that the labor market probably has uh, stayed firm, like the unemployment rate hasn't ticked up quickly. And we're kind of in this place where the Fed is still in the position they are today. Actually, the bigger concern would be if the Mortgage Bankers Association is right. If we move down to like six, three as fast as they as they think, or five, four for later next year, that could be because we ended up seeing a really fast uh, break in the labor market with unemployment moving up. So it's one of those things like, be careful what you wish for. Getting mortgage rates down really quick in a really short period of time could mean some darker things have happened in the economy and the and labor market. And you,
0: you, in on your feed, you had discussed that there was some group out there that expected 2025 mortgage rates would get to four percent. And your argument was exactly that: be careful what you wish for, because that could mean something cataclysmic.
3: Correct. Yeah, I, I, you, you don't want to wish for a four percent flat. Uh, mortgage rate by two thousand and twenty five which would mean in parts of the year it 's getting into a three handle because in that scenario the the economy probably took a really dark turn exactly we 're going to
0: talk more about this in the days and weeks ahead Lance Lambert fortune. Uh, magazine. He is the real estate editor uh, there at Fortune Magazine. News Lambert, if you follow him on the Twitter, Xbox, feel free. I appreciate taking the time. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Let's start with what you and everyone here knows. The climate crisis is a threat to us as a species and this planet that God gave us to live on. And we need to take this issue seriously and understand that the clock is not just ticking, it is banging. Well, wow. I, I, I didn't know it was such a threat. I mean, if, if the clock is banging. I actually saw Banging Clock open up for Duran Duran in 1986. It was a good show. They played all the hits. Then Duran Duran played Rio and people were like, oh, it's the best show ever. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? That is not, of course, the quote from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, that is going to have people talking. It's this. You know, I've heard young leaders talk with me about a, a term they've coined called climate anxiety. Right. Which is fear of of the future and the unknown of whether it makes sense for you to even think about having children, whether it makes sense for you to think about aspiring to buy a home. because What will this climate be? With, With all due respect, if you are questioning whether to have children because of climate, you need to seek help if you're thinking of not having children because you're seeing what people like Kamala Harris are doing to the country, I understand you. Don't get me wrong. In both cases, this is a serious issue. And there seems to be this very radical push. Oh, don't have kids. Oh, kids are ridiculous. Children will steal your youth. Children will keep you from happiness. You can't be your true authentic self if you're having children. A real aggressive progressive push against the family which if you've paid any attention to progressivism named marxism makes perfect sense because of course they're opposed to the family look at all the work they go to to try and break up the family now keep children away uh from from uh parents and and not let have parents have a say in what's going on in their kids education right you see it constantly so this isn't surprising but we need to get into this what is happening What is actually happening in society? Why aren't people coming together to have children? What does it mean? What does the future hold? And the answer is, it ain't good. I'll dig in. I promise. What's going on with Russell Brand? And what happened to Innocent Until proven Guilty? I'm Tony Katz.